Hello, and welcome to Christ Central Online Worship Service. I'm Harold, one of the pastors, and I have just got to say from the outset, I cannot wait. In less than one month, I hopefully will be able to see you in person on June 27th at Hope International University in Fullerton. That will be the launch of our in-person worship service. For the last several months, I have been with three brothers here, James, Son, and Sam. They are stellar great guys, but I really miss all of you at CCSC. I just cannot wait. Uh, so for now, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. Let's turn to Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. On this Memorial Day weekend, I've entitled it Memorial Anointing. Let's begin at verse 3. I'll read it for us. And while he, Jesus, was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. Whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Well, this is Memorial Day weekend. And as a nation, we are called to remember and honor all those who served in the military forces, and especially those who lost their lives. You know, my family and myself, as immigrants from South Korea in particular, I am immensely grateful for U.S. soldiers who fought through the Korean War. I think one of the greatest movies this weekend that will be replayed is Saving Private Ryan. And in that opening scene, you will see a man visiting a cemetery with his children and grandchildren. But he breaks down, recalling all the sights and sounds and scenes of soldiers fighting for freedom. Now here, we find there is a particular day that Jesus remembers you know, if there was a holiday that Jesus had to pick, this is actually it. What moved or what stayed upon the heart of Jesus Christ most? It's actually captured in this passage right here. The woman who poured out ointment upon his head. A woman who anointed him. Jesus says, not only would he remember this, but wherever the gospel is preached, all will remember her and what she has done. So here we are. See, everything that Jesus said comes true. Here we are 
memorializing the anointing of this woman upon Jesus. Two stunning features today. Just two stunning features. First, extravagant. The passage tells us that this ointment of pure nard was very costly. So much so, once it had been spilt, some in the crowd reacted indignantly. They were very upset. And they cried aloud, why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii and given away for the poor? Of course, you know, this is all just performative. It's just a show of righteousness. 300 denarii, we are told, is the value, the estimation of the ointment that was spilled. That's about a year's worth of wages. One whole year's worth of wages. Mark, the author, tells us that it was contained in an alabaster flask, a luxury item. And once it is spilled upon the head of Jesus, once she broke it and spilled it upon the head of Jesus, once it is poured out upon his head, and then John's gospel in the same account tells us it came all the way down to his feet, it's spent and gone. All of it is spent and gone. It's irrecoverable. And I assure you, at around one year's worth of wages, this is a once-in-a-lifetime offering. It's a once-in-a-lifetime use. Most likely commentators say that this might have been her dowry or an heirloom in their family. Now, I wonder how many of you listening in, including myself, have ever purchased or given a gift worth one year's worth of salary, an entire year. See, this was extravagant, extravagant. It's not the bare minimum. It's not just what's safely required. It just didn't meet the bar of satisfactory. It was extra, extra. Now, of course, there are plenty of things that you and I should not be and go extra with, right? Eating, drinking, even sleeping. On your deathbed, someone says, oh, I just wished I had worked a little harder. No, no one has ever said that, ever. As your pastor, I will tell you, no one has ever said that in my hearing. And I've really never heard of someone saying that. You know, we live in a culture of extras, a lot of extra, extra outrage, you know, extra promotion, extra attention, extra bonus, extra special attention, extra indulgence, and extra something. But you and I also both well know that little extra oftentimes is the very seed through which devastation and destruction comes. It actually is the seeds of self-destruction. Most everything you and I can go extra with, but not so with Jesus. No, never with Jesus. To go extra with Jesus is never wasteful or detrimental because this is actually the meaning of your life. The purpose of your existence and mine is to fall in love with and to go extra in love for Jesus. I don't know if you knew that. 
There is nothing that will enliven and fulfill your body and soul. This is the pinnacle, finest moment of human beings. No matter what culture, background, no matter what generation you grew up with. Is to fall in love with and demonstrate in response an extravagant love for your maker and actually for your redeemer as well. There are no letdowns. There's no downsides. There ought to be never any harm or evil or prejudice that comes from someone who is extravagantly in love with Jesus. This is why in Psalm chapter 73, towards the end, in such a beautiful poetic way, he basically confesses, I could search for eternity long. I could look above the heavens and even below the seas, but I will never find someone like my God. Starting at verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In heaven, worshiping the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ, without limitations, is actually what makes heaven heaven. You know, I was recalling this week, back in 1999 or so, and I know that if you're a college student right now, uh, you have no idea what that year was like. This was before you were born. And yeah, I assure you there were things like air travel then, and there was a McDonald's, not, not with the BTS meal yet. And uh, there were a lot of things that you enjoy today, and a lot of things that uh, we, you know, we were happily lived without. But I tagged along with my missions professor from Gordon Conwell, and I ended up in Croatia, which is the former Yugoslavia, and gave me a position to teach at a seminary for about a year, and it drew all kinds of students from Eastern Europe. And during the winter, I met some folks from Times Square Church here in America, from New York, who had flown all the way out because they wanted to hand out shoes to refugees because shoes was one of the most essential needs because there was so much broken glass. And you see, 99 was right after the ravages of a genocide, one of the most atrocious wars that people would argue since the Holocaust or since World War II. And that was a war that just tore people along ethnic and religious and political lines, the, the trifecta. And you and I see this right now happening between the Israelis and Palestinians. That is never a simple issue, but cycles of vengeance upon vengeance upon vengeance. And as I met my friends from Times Square Church, they not only told me they were handing out shoes, I helped them out for a little bit, and then they invited me, would you like to stay with us with the refugees? In their camps, during winter, now, winter in the former Yugoslavia is no joke. I had an excuse, a legitimate one. I have teaching duties back at the, semina uh, at the seminary. But I remember back in the dorms of the seminary where the heating or hot water was uh, very scarce. Every time I took a cold, you know, like those 
teeth-shattering showers, my heart would get moved. And my heart would think about those who were living through the winter in a refugee camp. You know, to be honest, to this day, there are times where if I end up in a freezing cold shower, there is no way I can forget some of these Christian brothers and sisters who wanted to live with the refugees because of the love of Christ. Now, you see, I can't forget it. That's 21, 22 years ago. I assure you, Jesus does not forget it. Any and all extravagance that's done for him, for his sake, for the love of Christ. Here this woman offered something you could only give once. Oh, it was so extra extravagant. Here's a second stunning feature. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Now, we need some background here. John 12 has the same account of this story described somewhat differently. And that story of Mary of Bethany, who was identified as the woman, captivated me since my undergrad years. This is my first time working with Mark's gospel account of the same event. But I have to tell you, there's an apparent contradiction in the location at which this took place. Because in John chapter 12, it reads in verses 1 and 2 that Jesus was at the home of Mary and Martha in Bethany, whose brother Lazarus Jesus had raised back from the dead. It is a clear marker that he was at the home of Mary and Martha in Bethany, whose brother, Lazarus, was resurrected from death. But here in Mark, what do we find? What do we find here? This is now at the home of who? Verse, verse 3, at Simon the leper. And so, of course, some who are beginners in Bible study will say, oh, this is an obvious error. Look, human error. It's a human document. No, 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 my friends. No, Simon, the leper who had recovered evidently from leprosy to host this dinner was the father to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Now, back to this woman, Mary's brilliance. Brilliance. What motivated her to express her love in this way at this time for this man in her home. See, this was not a senseless act. It was not simply a sentimental act or just a spontaneous movement upon our emotions. See, what kind of love was this? Why did she choose to express her love in this way, in this time, to this man at her home? Why this? You see, because it was a love full of brilliance. Now, please do not assume Mary of Bethany, uh, Bethany naturally had a spiritual sixth sense, or she's just naturally more intelligent. She had some special ability to discern things and read people's hearts and minds. No, Luke tells us that Mary had been in the habit of sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening and learning. You know, she was one of those uh, spellbound students. She was a sponge. She was a sponge. 
And so, yes, that is the best possible position and posture to be in. At the feet of Jesus, listening and learning to everything you can get. But I want to add to this, according to Jesus, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Jesus clearly says here, things have been revealed, not earned. The most important things in life are given, not gained. So what was revealed? What precisely here had already been given to Mary of Bethany? See, Mary could see that Jesus had come to pour his life out for her before anyone else did. Her brilliance was believing that Jesus had come to die so that she might live. This is why in verse 8, Jesus publicly receives and commends her act as, quote, anointing his body before my burial. See, Mary saw, perceived, and already believed that Jesus, his very body, would be put into a grave before all the other disciples even saw it coming. And this is why her love, her love at this time in this home was memorialized. This is why her love was so extravagant because she saw the extravagant love that was to be poured out for her. This is not forced. It's not faked. It's not imposed. It's not manipulated. I assure you it was not a burden. But for Mary of Bethany, her act of pouring out very costly ointment upon the head of Jesus was because she knew that very same head would be battered by rods and it would be split open with a crown of thorns. Mary of Bethany's extravagant act was only because of an overflowing compulsion because she had been given. It had been revealed to her that this man would be buried, laid in a tomb, but yet come back on the third day. You know, I know coming back from this global pandemic, man, it's been a long time, but for maybe some of us, it's actually a short time, depending on how you're feeling about resuming in-person anything, work and gatherings and church worship services. But I know that one of the prevailing things that have occurred while we have not been able to meet in person is loneliness. Loneliness has gotten worse. You know, loneliness, it's that where people say the most painful kind of suffering is the kind where nobody can actually see or diagnose. You know, it's an inner or mental and emotional type of pain, an inner darkness. And if you feel like, man, it's so hard where I don't really see anybody understanding me, 
really knowing what I'm going through, let alone I don't feel at all confident that if they really did know who I am and what I'm wrestling and going through, I don't know if they want to be around me at all. Can I tell you what happens in this chapter after this memorial anointing? Jesus is left alone by supposedly his closest friends, his best of friends, and they cannot even stay up to pray with him. In the same chapter, Mark chapter 14, Jesus is betrayed not once, twice. Judas Iscariot plots to sell him out for money to the chief priests and scribes. And Jesus prophesies that his boldest, most vocal disciple by the name of Peter would deny him publicly three times. You know, Jesus knows everything there is to know about loneliness. Oh, but back to our passage. Don't you see how Mary of Bethany here, though, goes to Jesus and she shows him. Oh, but I see. I actually feel some of what you're about to go through for me. Mary of Bethany so moved the heart of Jesus because in one of the darkest, loneliest places, and as he marches through an experience that would be the most horrific and agonizing known to any human being, because he would absorb the separation and the loss and the horror and the consequences of all of our sins poured out upon him. At least there was this lady. At least there was one. Mary of Bethany, in her brilliance, could show and anoint him. Jesus, but I see you. I feel you. And thank you for what you are about to do for me. I believe this is why this is the most poignant and precious and personal gift that Jesus ever received on this side of heaven. Now, do you see why he says, wherever the gospel is preached, not only will I remember her, I want everyone to remember her. I want everyone to remember her because in her act is the only response appropriate and worthy of the act that Jesus gave. So would you love Jesus like this? Who here would love Jesus like this? You know, one way to go about this is to just go really extra hard on yourself and go extra hard with guilt tripping. You know, why won't you love Jesus like this? What's wrong with you? Why, why haven't you loved Jesus like this? Oh, during this pandemic for a whole year or so, you have fallen into all kinds of patterns that you know are so far from loving Jesus like this. So why won't you? Why don't you? Give him more of your heart. Let's get to it. You know, I'll tell you, my friend, there's plenty of messages, plenty of preachers, plenty of books, 
plenty of programs, plenty of churches and cultures that just go about doing this. But can I tell you, it doesn't work. It might work for a little season, but it might make you only super haughty or extra hardened because it lacks brilliance. It actually lacks all power to save or make you godly. How about an extravagant gospel instead? How about instead of going extra hard at yourself, extra with guilt tripping, how about an extravagant gospel in its place? Where the gospel tells you and I, don't you see Jesus gave you all of his heart? Don't you see how Jesus poured out all of himself? Don't you see how far above and beyond, how extra all the way until the point of his life had come to an end? And when you and I see that, I mean, when you and I are really struck by his extravagance, his overpowering, overflowing love for you and for me, when you grasp it, when you grasp this, it'll never leave you alone. You know, Paul, Apostle Paul's chief, I would say chief, and repeated prayer for all the churches, we'll find it right here in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Here's what he prays. Here's what he prayed. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you listen to how Apostle Paul goes about it? You see, if you see that you lack this kind of extravagance, this kind of fervency, this kind of devotion, this kind of beauty that would move the heart of Jesus most, if you and I know that we are impoverished, we don't have that, how should you go about it? Here's what Paul says. Here's what he prayed. You have to sit. You have to soak. You have to see. And you have to grasp the extravagance of Jesus' love for you. And Paul writes this before he gives any commands, any ethics, any this is how you should live. Because this is exactly how Christian life works. It's the only way it works. You know, on this Memorial Day weekend, as a nation, we're called to remember, to reflect, to honor, to mourn, to give our respect also to recall and maybe repair and correct some things so that we can move forward to a more perfect union in justice and peace and truth for all. We can learn and grow and change just based on history. But there is a divine reason that Jesus tells all of us whether you know him yet or you've known him for many, many years, he tells us, keep coming back to this one. Keep remembering this woman. 
Keep sitting at my feet. Keep seeing and try to see what she saw. Sit and see what produced such extravagance in that costly ointment poured out upon the head of Jesus because he was to suffer and to die and he was to be buried for her sins. I dare say you and I should never move on from coming back to this. Keep coming back to this. Because everything that you and I ever want, everything you and I ever long for in all of life, dare I say, it's found in the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father God, I trust in your word and I trust in your Holy Spirit to capture hearts once again. God, so many of us, we need much more than to just understand these things in our heads. Oh, Lord, we need to be overwhelmed and flooded in our hearts to know the dimensions, the infinite dimensions of the love of God that has been poured out in Jesus. And I pray for any friend who's listening in this day, oh Lord, who is moved and wants to love Jesus in return, Lord, bring them to yourself. Have them join a church and spend the rest of their lives showing how much you are loved. Lord, hear us, we pray this day all together in Jesus' name. Amen.